from the Heidelberg Catechism. We read together Lord's Day 3. Did God then create man so wicked and perverse? No, on the contrary, God created man good and in his image, that is in true righteousness and holiness, so that he might rightly know God his creator, heartily love him, and live with him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify him. From where then did man's depraved nature come? Uh, from the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. Uh, For there our nature became so corrupt that we're all conceived and born in sin. But are we so corrupt that we're totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil? Yes, unless we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, different people in this world have different perspectives on life. Even among those who call themselves Christians, there are major differences in what they believe. Do you know why that is? It is because ultimately people have different perspectives on man, on who man is, on where he came from, on what his task is, and on what the future holds for man. If you want to find out what someone believes, the quickest and easiest way to do so is to ask him what he believes concerning man. For a person's perspective on man affects his view on salvation, on witnessing, and on his hope for the future. Many in this world believe that man is the result of an evolutionary process that spanned millions of years. They say that life evolved from simple cell structures into more complex life forms. People who believe this think that man is the result of a world that is constantly improving itself. Man is the highest life form there is. And thus, such people see man as basically a good being. They have faith in man's inherent goodness. They think that if man continues to apply himself, he can make this world into a better place. Within Christendom, there are also many many who have a positive perspective on man, who also believe in man's inherent goodness. Pelagius taught that man is born good, that he only learns evil by imitating those around him. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that man is born bad, but that baptism cleanses him of his sin and infuses him with a natural ability to do good. The Arminians believe that in the fall into sin, man did not become totally corrupt, but that the will of man remained free to choose good or evil. 
These positions are held by many today who call themselves Christians. Thus many believe in the goodness of man or in his ability to choose for God. Such beliefs form and shape the whole of your theology. If man is good in and of himself, he doesn't really need God or his grace. If man in and of himself has the ability to choose for God, then his salvation becomes dependent on his choice. And so, in order for us to understand and appreciate God's grace in Jesus Christ, we need to know who we are and where we came from. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. God made man as his image bearer for his glory. We'll consider man as God made him, man as sin made him, and man as God remakes him. In Lord's Day 2, we learned that knowledge of our sins and misery comes from the law. It taught us that by nature, we are inclined to hate God and our neighbor. Lord's Day 3 focuses on the origin and the extent of our depravity. Did God make man so wicked and perverse? Where did our sinfulness come from? Are we really so totally corrupt? To understand the fall into sin and the effects of it, we first need to look at the origins of man. The world today has a low view on man's origin. Many in society believe that man evolved over millions of years. The theory of evolution is based on chance. It is by random chance that man evolved as he did, they say. This theory denies that there is order, direction, or purpose in man's life. The result is man is just a product of his environment. If man has evolved from a lower to a higher life being, it makes man an autonomous being. Man is then beholden to no one. If God isn't your creator, he doesn't have a claim on your life. Then man can live as he pleases. He can do whatever he wishes. The only restrictions on a person's behavior are what a society chooses to impose for the benefit of all its members. But that's no constant standard. Standards change as the whims of people in a society change. Such a perspective on life has profound consequences. Inherently, man is no better than other animals. He's just made up of a bunch of cells. This perspective is the basis for society's views on life. It explains why many countries now allow stem cells to be harvested from an embryo and why abortion and euthanasia have been legalized. Since man has evolved from simple to complex, from worse to better, people also have this idea that man is basically good. Problems in society are attributed to a bad upbringing, or to a lack of education, or lack of opportunity to grow and develop. In contrast, we have a totally different perspective on the origins of man. 
Man did not evolve over millions of years. He was created by God. When God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke the word, and it was done. But the creation of man was a unique act. Genesis 2.7 tells us that the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Man is thus set apart from the rest of creation. He was made by God as the crown of his creation. Genesis 1.27 says that God created man in his image. Man is made in the likeness of God. It implies that man has a special honor and dignity. Created good, righteous, and holy, that he might give praise and glory to God in all his words and works. It's profoundly important for us to understand and believe this. For if we see ourselves as creatures of God, we recognize God's claim on our lives. That we owe God our allegiance. That our purpose in life is to give glory to his name. Many people misunderstand what it means that God made us in his image. It does not mean that we physically look like God. For God is spirit and we are to worship him in spirit and truth. The fact that man is made in God's image means we reflect some of God's qualities, his attributes. We were made in the likeness of God, in knowledge, in our righteousness and holiness, and in having dominion. Man is made in the image of God, in knowledge. When God created Adam, he did not make him without knowledge. God did not just make Adam with the ability to think or the capacity for knowledge. Instead, God gave Adam and Eve a true understanding of the world in which they lived. Their knowledge was not exhaustive, but what Adam and Eve knew about themselves, about God, and about creation was accurate. We know it from Colossians 3 verse 10, where Paul speaks about man being renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. If we're being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of God, knowledge must have been an original gift of God. Knowledge is complex. We can compare it to a huge jigsaw puzzle. These days they sell puzzles without giving you a picture of what the puzzle is really about. To make such a puzzle, you need to sort the pieces and construct the frame. You need to sort all the other pieces by color in order to gradually fit them together. Knowledge is like that. You need not just isolated facts. You need a framework to put them into. When he was created, Adam did not just know a bunch of random facts. Adam had a framework for those facts. Adam saw everything in relation to God. Adam was given the responsibility to name the animals in the garden. In Old Testament times, names signified something. They were used to designate or to classify. A name was often a description of the nature or character 
of the person or thing being named. For Adam to name the animals required an accurate knowledge of the various species of animals. God made Adam a rational being. He could think and reason and remember. Man was made in the image of God in knowledge. It's really important. For Proverbs 23, 7 says that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. What we think and how we think determine who we are and what we do. To be right, we must think right. Wrong thinking will never produce right living. Good character and righteous conduct are dependent on accurate knowledge. God created man with minds to think and know the truth. Man is also made in the image of God in righteousness and holiness. When God created Adam, he was sinless. Just as God is righteous, so he made man righteous. Just as God is holy, so he made man holy. It's made clear from Ephesians 4.24, which speaks of the new man, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. If we are being renewed to righteousness and holiness, according to the image of God, God must have originally made man in righteousness and holiness. You see, beloved, when God made Adam, he did not make him morally neutral. His innermost desires and motivations were holy and right. He wanted to do what pleased God, that which gave praise and glory to his holy name. Adam not only knew what was good and right, he also wanted to do what was good and right. Both the thoughts of his mind and the desires of his heart were focused on loving God, on living in close communion with him. Man is also made in the image of God to have dominion. Now we know that God is Lord and King over all, that he exercises dominion over the whole universe and everything in it. When God created man, he gave him a task to rule as king in God's place on earth. God said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So man was given the task of exercising dominion over this earth. The fact that man was created in the image of God and is the crown of his creation, is evident from a number of other scripture passages. After the flood, God allowed Noah and his family to eat meat. While they were allowed to kill the animals for food, no one was allowed to take the life of another human being. Genesis 9, 6 says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man. In his own image. 
Man's high position as God's king on earth is also evident from Psalm 8. David asks, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? He responds saying, You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the sea. God created man with gifts and talents and resources. He wanted man to use these to care for creation in a way that would glorify God. And so God gave man a purpose for living. Man was called to develop the earth in such a way that God's name would be hallowed, his kingdom extended, and his will be done. Man's chief purpose on earth was to glorify God, to live with him in eternal blessedness. And man could do that, for God made him very good. To summarize, God created man so that he reflected God in who he was and in the task he was given to do. God made us perfect in all regards. God created us so we could know him and love him and live with him in perfect unity. So why are we not like that today? Why are we inclined by nature to hate God and our neighbor? Where has sin come from? We'll deal with this in our second point. You know, we'll consider man as sin made him. To understand the nature and problem of sin, we must understand what Adam did. He had God's command not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We know that God's word is the basis for life. A man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. No one can ignore or disobey what God says and live. What did Adam do with God's word? When tempted, he began to question it. And then he rejected it. As Paul says in Romans 1, he exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Adam no longer considered God's word as the basis for his thinking. It was no longer his map, his compass in life. The foundation, the framework for accurate thinking was gone. Since Adam now considered himself to be as God... He now had to think independently, without God-given guidelines. As Paul says in Romans 1, he refused to retain God in his knowledge. Adam rejected God's word as the foundation for life. His mind became set against God. This has had a profound effect on mankind. Romans 1.22 says that although men claimed to be wise, they became fools. 
Ephesians 4, 17 and 18 says that man's mind became futile. His understanding was darkened. He was separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that was in him due to the hardening of his heart. Sinful people, we operate within the wrong framework. Think of knowledge as a wagon wheel with each field of study uh, representing a spoke on that wheel. For the wheel to be useful, each of the spokes needs to be tied into the central hub. When God is removed as the hub of knowledge, all that's left are some isolated facts. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. All things must be related to God to be able to be seen in their proper perspective. It fallen man lost that framework, lost that perspective. We no longer know the truth about God or about ourselves. By nature, we are ignorant, blind, and foolish. Fallen man thinks he doesn't need God. He's puffed up with pride and arrogance, considering himself to be self-sufficient, able to provide for his own needs. And he doesn't even recognize his desperate position. In all of our lives, standards are very important. And daily, we use various measuring devices like calendars, watches, rulers and tape measures, speedometers, money, weigh scales, and the like. Often we don't rep Often we don't realize how dependent we are on these things until one of these measures is changed. When I was a boy, Canada went through the process of converting from the imperial to the metric system. It caused a lot of havoc in our society. But now, beloved, imagine that different people apply different standards to themselves and to their lives. That for some, a dollar was only 50 cents. And for others, a kilogram was only 600 grams. That's what lots of people do with respect to God's standards of righteousness and holiness. When Adam sinned, he set himself up as God. He determined to know good and evil without reference to the character of God. Adam no longer desired to do what is right and holy. He wanted to gratify the cravings of his sinful nature to follow its desires and thoughts. He became prejudiced against righteousness and holiness. He loved darkness instead of light because his deeds were evil. Not only did man reject God's standard but even the desires of his heart became corrupt. The effect of the fall into sin on our morals is great. In Genesis 6, verse 5, we read of God's view of man after the fall into sin. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil 
continually. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? With the fall into sin, man has lost the excellent gifts he once received from God. Do we still reflect God's goodness, his righteousness, or his holiness? Paul gives us the answer in Romans 3. He says, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. As a result, man's ability to rule creation to the glory of God was also affected. With the fall into sin, Adam was no longer able to discern God's will for his life. Having become unrighteous and unholy, he did not even desire to serve as king in God's place, ruling over creation for God's glory. Instead of doing the will of God and fulfilling the purpose for which he was made, Adam Adam determined to do his own will. Someone once said, God made man to love people and use things. Instead, man loves things and uses people. Man has become selfish, centered on what doing, centered on doing what pleases him. Romans 6 makes clear the great fall of man. Instead of exercising dominion over creation, sin has begun to rule in us so that we obey its evil desires. Those whom God made rulers over creation have become slaves of sin. The fall into sin has affected our thinking. It has affected our character. It's affected our will. Our minds have been corrupted. Our hearts made impure. Our desires set contrary to the will of God. That's why we confess that our nature has become totally corrupt. One of the greatest tragedies of all is that we've become ignorant of this truth about ourselves. We pride ourselves in our wisdom, in our goodness, in our freedom. We're lost, and often we don't even realize it. Yes, beloved, we need to know the extent of our depravity. Of ourselves, we are capable of the grossest of sins. We should never be surprised by any sin showing itself even in the church. For even within the church of Jesus Christ, people fall into grievous sins. Sins of the heart, anger, jealousy, hatred, lust, coveting what belongs to your neighbor. Sins of the mouth, blasphemy, slander, and gossip. Sins of the body, abortion, premarital sex, homosexuality, abuse, and murder. It's easy for us to look around us and to think of others that might fit into these various categories. But, beloved, if we do that, we miss the point of Lord's Day 3. Each one of us, personally, needs to understand the depth of our depravity. 
apart from Jesus Christ and His redeeming work. You are lost in your sins. Apart from the Holy Spirit and His work of regeneration and renewal, you are capable of any sin, no matter how horrible it might be. If it were not for the grace of God, our lives would be filled with all kinds of sin. For our nature is corrupt. It brings forth in us all manner of sinful thoughts and attitudes, words and deeds. It brings us to our final point, and it will consider man as God remakes him. Beloved, there's a reason why we need to know our depravity. Think back to Lord's Day 1. Teaches us we need to know how great our sins and misery are. Why? Because unless we know how terrible we are and the misery that we have brought upon ourselves, we will not look for a solution to our problem. Unless we see our need, we will not seek the Savior. It is only those who recognize their sins who look to Jesus Christ for salvation. Does it help to look to Jesus Christ? Indeed it does. For he came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Christ came to offer his body and blood as a sacrifice for our sins. Our Lord has ransomed us. He has paid the price necessary to restore us to communion with our Heavenly Father. It is through Christ's atoning sacrifice that we may share in eternal life. Jesus Christ is the one who restores us to righteousness and life. Christ has not only redeemed us, he also renews us in the image of God. Our Lord has taught us that of ourselves we are depraved, that by nature we're totally corrupt. But that's not the end of the story. Question and answer 8 teaches us that not all people remain totally depraved. That depends on whether or not God begins a mighty work in us. Question 8 asks, are we then so corrupt that we're totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil? The answer is yes, unless we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. By the mighty working of the Spirit, God begins a new life in us. Through His work, we are transformed. We are changed from the inside out. The Spirit renews our minds so we may once more come to know God. He works in our hearts so we learn to love God and to praise and glorify Him for His mighty deeds. He transforms our will so that rather than pleasing ourselves, our desire is to serve God. Christ has redeemed us from our sins and misery so that we can once more take up our role as His image bearers. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He renews us so that we might once again serve as God's image bearers. 
We're called to live good, righteous, and holy lives. We're called to fulfill our God-given tasks on earth to the praise of His name. What we lost in the fall into sin, God restores to us by His grace and Spirit so that we might rightly know God, heartily love Him, and live with Him in eternal blessedness. Amen.